Good morning, everyone. I hope you are doing well today. It is a beautiful Tuesday morning in North Texas. Today is Tuesday, August 18th, and we have a very exciting Bible study this morning. So here's what we're going to accomplish this morning. At the end of this, you will be able to say that you studied an entire book of the Bible, because we are going to take at Philemon, take a look at Philemon, which is only one chapter. So we're just going to take a quick look at it, and at the end of it, you'll be able to say, I studied a whole book of the Bible today. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Philemon. So thank you for being a part of this and for making this part of your day. Have you ever read the book of Philemon before? It's kind of an interesting little book, like in the middle of the Old New Testament, that just kind of doesn't really seem to fit really well with everything else. And so what is it? Why is it there? Interesting, it's the only private letter in the Bible. So it's like Paul writing a letter to somebody he knows. That's basically what it is. Paul's writing a letter to somebody he knows. And so uh, this is, the, the as I said, it's the only private letter that's in the Bible. Uh, and so let's say, well, what is it all about? What is it all about? So it's it's an interesting letter. So I'm going to start, uh, I'll just, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's, it's it's only like 20 verses. It's one book of the Bible that's like 20 verses, but I'm going to look at it uh, real quickly. So verse 1 and 2, Paul writes, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. So it's a private letter to uh, Philemon and Apphia. Apphia uh, is probably Philemon's wife. They, Paul uh, probably got to know them when um, he set up, uh, set up the church and uh, um, preached there and got things rolling. Archippus is probably the, the pastor uh, the, the church that meets in your home, our fellow soldier and church. Uh, I mean, imagine, imagine somebody is sending you a letter, sending you a letter to your house and copying your pastor so that it would be read to the church, so that it would be read to your church. So Paul is sending a letter to Philemon and to Philemon's pastor and saying that basically, and to the church that meets in your home, I, read this to them too. So imagine somebody sending you a letter and copying me on it, sending you a letter that is asking you to do something very different and copying me on it. Imagine it's like a bishop. Imagine it's you know somebody who's really important in the church because Paul was really important in the church. I mean that's kind of like okay, you know you you just this is just the first two verses, so you just read it like you know I am. The, the bishop of, of Texas, and I'm sending you an email, and I'm copying your pastor, and I'm copying your church. I want it read to your church. Before you read the rest of it, you're like, what is going on here? <laughs> what is so important that the bishop is copying my pastor and copying my church? Well, here's what's important. So Philemon had a slave whose name was Onesimus, and Onesimus ran away. And when he ran away, he probably stole something when he ran away. Uh, verse 18, Paul says, if he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. So so basically, Onesimus ran away and probably stole something. And Paul said, basically, I will repay you. What he, so this runaway slave finds his way to Rome and finds his way to Paul and becomes a Christian and becomes, it becomes part of the church and the Christian church in Rome. And so the story comes out that he was a runaway slave and Paul has to figure out what to do. Paul, because it would be illegal for him to have a runaway slave. And so Paul says, well, I, you have to go back. You can't stay. If you stay, you're putting the whole church in danger. You can't stay. Paul goes on to say, though, that Onesimus is 
That's a very important part in the church and is very important to Paul. And so in verses 12 through 14, he says, I am sending Onesimus, who is my very heart, back to you. Who is my very heart, back to you. Someone who I care about deeply. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I do not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntarily. So, so Paul doesn't want Onesimus to stay without the consent of Philemon. Now, this is Paul. I mean, this is strange. This is this puts Paul in a very difficult position, right? Onesimus is a runaway slave, and back then, slaves weren't people; they were property, and they were probably sixty million slaves in the Roman Empire at that time. And if any revolt, any runaway, I mean, they were dealt with harshly and immediately. They were either killed or they had an F branded on their forehead uh, that they were a fugitive, that they were a runaway slave. And so Paul says, what can we do here? How can we handle this? He says, well, I have to send you back. And what's interesting is we think four, 60 million slaves, that's a lot. But all accounts basically say that there's like 40 million slaves in the world today. So, so slavery is still a big deal in the world today. So this is one of those things where Paul's in a very interesting position. We're going to get to that a little bit more later. So here's what Paul says. He makes this appeal for Philemon to take Onesimus back, verse 16, but not as a slave, as a brother, verse 15 and 16. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. And so this under, Paul says, basically, he is a part of the the body of Christ. He is a part of God's family. He is a child of God, baptized just in the same way as you are. And so he is now a brother, a Christian brother. Uh, Is he still your slave? Yes. But now I don't want you to see him as that. I want you to see him as a brother, Uh, a brother who works for you. Uh, And so Onesimus and Philemon are now basic sons of mine, you know, Paul, Paul sees it as, as you know, you are, you've been brought into this Christian family by me, and, and so uh, you two are um, asked, and now, now serve one another the way Christ would serve us. Uh, not saying that, that you need to get rid of your slaves, the social stru- structure still exists, but treat them well. Treat them like brothers and sisters in Christ. Treat them as if Jesus himself was your servant basically is kind of the point that Paul is making. You don't have to become soft. You don't have to become, you know, you don't have to accept poor workmanship, but just treat people well. Treat them well. Treat them as people, not property. And so then Paul's grand finale, the way he finishes this letter, and imagine getting this letter from Paul, right? As I said, like a bishop. I mean, somebody who's very high in the church, copying your pastor, copying your church, and finishes this way. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. So a couple of things there. Paul is writing this with his own hand, which means all the other letters that have come from Paul, basically, Paul spoke them and someone else wrote them. But Paul is writing this in his own hand, and he says, not to mention that you owe me your very self. Not to mention that you owe me your soul. I'm the one who came and proclaimed the gospel to you. You are saved because I came and proclaimed the good news to you. You owe me a favor, and I'm calling you out right now to repay my favor. That's what this that's what this this book of the Bible is. It's Paul saying, "You owe me a favor." And my favor that I'm asking you is 
to not treat this man harshly, to treat him as a brother, to welcome him back. Uh, And then verse 21, confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing you'll do even more than I ask. I mean, how uh, Paul expects the best from people. uh, And you, you can see kind of a little bit you can, I mean, let's just say it, a little bit of manipulation here. I'm writing this to you, and I'm copying your pastor, and I'm expecting you to do it, and I am confident in your obedience. And Philemon must, you read that, and you're like, well, what choice do I have? What choice do I have? And so that's how the book ends. Now, interestingly enough, many years later, when the great martyr Ignatius was living out his ministry 30 to 50 years later, he wrote a letter to the bishop of Ephesus, whose name was Onesimus. So, could it be that this slave who was a runaway slave returned to Philemon 30 years later ends up being the bishop of Ephesus? I don't know for sure if it's the same Onesimus, but uh, I don't know how popular of a name that was either. So, it could very easily have been the same person. And at this time, the church is not that large. I mean, it's not that large. So, so very likely it could be that this, this slave, runaway slave returned to Philemon Uh, and ended up later becoming a bishop, the Bishop of Ephesus, which would be neat. So, but we read this, we read this and we think, well, why doesn't Paul use this opportunity to condemn slavery? Why doesn't Paul talk about emancipation, the freedom, the freeing of slaves? Why, why doesn't Paul condemn it? I mean, for, you know, hundreds and more than a thousand years, you know, people have used this text to say, slavery is fine. Look, Paul doesn't condemn slavery. Why, so why doesn't he condemn it? So he doesn't tell Philemon to set Onesimus free. He just says, welcome him back. Welcome him back and treat him well. Interesting, I mean, it's, we wish Paul would have said, set him free and set all your slaves free because as Christians, we shouldn't, we shouldn't have slaves. You shouldn't look at other people as property. That's what we would say today. You shouldn't look at other people's property. That's what he should have said. That's what we think he should have said. I mean, that's what he should have said. That's what I think he should have said, Right. Uh, So then, why doesn't he? Well, the ancient world, as I said, and Rome at the time, 60 million slaves. It was built by slaves. It was basically the way the world ran, was that people had slaves. It It was part of the world's economy. It was part of the way that the world was. And I think that Paul probably couldn't imagine life without it. I mean, it was just so, so normal, so part of every day. Part of, part of life, that he couldn't imagine life without it. Um, and, and, and the danger then being, if Christianity became a place where uh, they encouraged uh, slaves to run away, encouraged slaves to fight for freedom, uh, the church would have been wiped out. I mean, that would, have been, that would have been so controversial, so anti-culture, that the church would have been wiped out. Imagine if Onesimus ran away, found the church, and found safe haven there, then news would have spread that this church was a place where runaway slaves can go, where fugitives can go. Uh, so that's what would happen. The people would, you know, slaves would start running away, start looking for the church, and thinking that they'd have safe haven there. But the reality is the church didn't have enough political power to do that. While that may have been the right thing to do, the church didn't have enough political power to do that then. And so they sent him back. If the church started to get known for that, well, guess what? The church was already an enemy of Rome. It was already an enemy of many groups of people. It would have become, they, they would have done all they could to get rid of the church, right? Because the church was uh, presented a threat to their way of life. I, I would say, I mean, I, I'm 
trying to come up with a modern day parallel. I was struggling. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it, if it works or not, but uh, you know, taking out the, the human side of it, you could almost say that this is like the church today coming out against capitalism, saying that you cannot be a member of our church and, and, and engage in a capitalist society because that, that's the economy of that day was built on slavery and it was built on slaves who picked and you know i mean that the economy of the south in the mid 1800s i mean it's the same thing uh you know it's basically changing the way of life changing the 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 way society worked uh and so we don't know what paul's thoughts were we don't know what he should have said what he was considering writing and you know the the draft that he didn't send we don't know all that but but we today as the church would say people are not property they should not be treated as property. There are still 40 million people around the world today who are slaves, and the church needs to come out against slavery. And the church needs to say that we as the church need to uh, stand up for human rights and stand up for people who are in danger, fleeing from danger, uh, who are treated as property and not treated as humans. So uh, while Paul didn't do that, the church today has the political power to do that, and in my opinion, should. So that is Philemon. Today, in the last 15 minutes, we have studied an entire book of the Bible. So you can check that off your list of things to do today. If you want to, wanted to study an entire book of the Bible, there you go. We just did it. And uh, encourage you to read the whole book of Philemon. It'll take you about 90 seconds because it's about 19 verses. So there's Philemon. Paul's letter to Philemon, the only private letter that made its way into the Bible. And, you know, it was, wasn't really that private because he copied the pastor and the church. So, uh, but uh, an interesting study, interesting to look at and interesting to see uh, Paul's take on a, um, a problem in a different world, in a world that is so much different than ours here in America, but not that much different than some places around the country. Uh, I'm sorry, around the world. I think, I think a letter like this in India, where I think there's like 15 million slaves today, uh, would make a lot of sense. It, it's something that would, would be very very relevant to their contemporary society. So, okay, we will close there uh, and close with a word of prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you for your many blessings. Uh, We thank you for making us all uh, in your image uh, and giving us all special gifts and talents. Uh, Pray that you, we, uh, you teach us to see others uh, as, as an image of you teach us to love and value each human being for who they are and uh, to work alongside them in the kingdom, which you have uh, given us in Jesus name. Amen. All right, we will stop there. Thank you for being a part of the study of Philemon today. Hope you have a great day.